Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 305 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by the main man himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, welcome to the show. How are you, man? I'm good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. We have a lot to go over, so let's dive straight into the review part of the show. After that, we'll speak to our our sole guest. It's just going to be one guest on this week's podcast. It's going to be Michael McKinson. Um, after that, of course, in part two, we will do the news and the preview part. So like I said, let's dive straight into the review part. We're going to start here uh, Friday the 13th at the Plaza de Turros de Puerto Banus in Marbella, Andalusia, Spain, over here. And Donny Gargo coming off that draw against Gavin McDonald. Now 24 and 4 with a draw. He lost a split decision over 12 rounds to Karim Guerfi for the EBU European featherweight title. Guerfi, I think, has moved up in weight to fight for that title. He's picked it up. And it's his 30th win. He's 30 and 5. Showing he's not done, to be honest, after getting knocked out in a round by um, Lee McGregor last time out. What a way to bounce back for him. Um... Moving out now to the Hotel Atlantis in Dubai, United Arab Emirates over here. Um, Anthony Sims Jr. with a win, now 21-1. He knocked out in nine rounds Hernan Perez, who's now 8-4. That one was for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. Sims, I believe, after the fight, called out Rocky Fielding. I wouldn't mind seeing that one. Uh, the, the Cuban, Mike Perez, returned at Cruiserweight. He picked up a win, now 25-3 with a draw. A KO in round four against Tony Salam, who's now 14-3. and three. That one was for the WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight title. Austin Trout with a win. Friend of the show in his 40th fight. He's now 34-5 and five with a draw. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Alejandro Davila, who's now 22-3 and three with two draws. Very close on the cards, on one of them at least. Um, 96-95 and 97-95. Um, I believe there was a female judge as well who, um, you know, gave her scorecard in, and her card was a hundred to ninety-two. So scorecards all over the all over the place there. Um, but anyway, it's a good win there. Like I say, for Austin Trout, I I definitely like him. Got a lot of time for him. Um, Moving out now to the Matchroom HQ Garden in Brentwood, Essex, United Kingdom. This one was on the zone. 
Um, I'm going to start with the undercard here. Win for Hopi Price, now 5-0. He beat the previously undefeated 5-0, Claudio Grande, and he had him down from a left hand in the sixth and final round. It was just before the bell went. Um, he was absolutely gone. It would have been a stoppage if there was another 10 seconds in that fight. Um, a win on the undercard as well for Zelfa Barrett, now 26-1. He was able to knock out in four rounds Virial Simeon. Simeon was down in the first round from a body shot. Um, he did didn't actually knock him out, but you know he retired on his store at the end of four rounds. No surprise there. Virial Simeon now uh, 22 and seven. I think he's been been beaten in like five of his last six fights. A win for Joe Cordina as as well. 13 and 0. A KO in the very first round against Joshua Hernandez of Chicago. He's now 10 and four. A KO. Um, you know, he absolutely destroyed his uh, his opponent, Joe Cordina. It was the same punch he threw three times as well. The one-two. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Third time unlucky for Joshua Hernandez, who I believe is managed or trained by Rick Ramos, the guy that, of course, trains Jessica McCaskill. Um, elsewhere on the card, Cash Farouk with an expected points win over 10 against Luis Castillo, the Mexican, now 28-3. and Cash Farouk, 16-1, and still has that one controversial loss to Lee McGregor. Elsewhere on the card, Raymond Ford, now 9-0 and with a draw. A TKO in round three against Reese Bellotti, who's now 14-5. and That one was for the vacant WBA Continental Featherweight title. Um... Quite impressive from Raymond Ford to get the stoppage, I think. I expected that to go the distance, and Reese Bellotti can really punch, but considering Ford had that um, that kind of, I don't want to say questionable draw, but unexpected draw, I think it was in his last fight uh, before this, I wasn't sure, going up against a banger like Bellotti. I definitely thought B- Bellotti would pose some kind of questions, but to get him out in three rounds is very impressive. Um... Elsewhere on the card, Michael McKinson now 21-0. and 0. We will be speaking to him in a few minutes. Um, he beat unanimously over 10. Prism Slaw Ronowski, who's now 19-2. Ronowski um, obviously had a loss to Josh Kelly on points. Now he's got his second loss on points to Michael McKinson. Very much expected. A defense of McKinson's WBO Global Welterweight title. One of my favorite fighters, McKinson. It was a total masterclass from him. At some points, it looked like the stoppage was going to be coming because he was busting up the Polishman, but it didn't come. And, um, you know, he's still only got two knockouts in 21 wins, McKinson, but he will box your head off for 12 rounds, um, and in this case, 10. But, um, no, really looking forward to seeing where McKinson goes from here. Like I say, one of my favorite fighters to watch. I remember watching him at York Hall early on in his career, the very first time I ever seen him fight, and I thought, wow, he has got something. And that was years ago. Now he's still undefeated, and he's proven it on the big stage. Um, the main event, Joshua Boatsy now 15-0, and a TKO in round 11 against Rickards Bolotniks, who's now 18-6 and with a draw. Bolotniks down in the 6th round, and like we say, in the 11th round. Boatsy had a point deducted in the 8th for repeated low blows. Um... It was, it, you know, it was an exciting fight. I thought that Bolotniks fought off the back foot for most of it, which was a bit of a surprise to me, but he had success. He landed a number of big shots from the outside. Boatsy, for me, was hit way too often. I'm still not convinced. Um, I'm worried a little bit about Boatsy's gas tank as well, and... You know, there's no getting away from the fact that Balotniks came to fight. He's extremely tough. 
um, for Boazzi, it was a good win considering Bolotnik's winning that 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 golden contract tournament and being in the form of his life, Bolotnik's like we said, he hadn't lost a fight since years ago against Machunu. So I give credit to Boazzi for that, but I couldn't say I was overly impressed. I predicted a points win or a late stoppage, and that's what happened. It was another fight where maybe Boazzi learned some things, but me personally, as a viewer, I didn't learn much about Boazzi. It wasn't a fight that would tell us where he can go. I'm desperate to see him stepped up. I feel like he's the slowest move in um, 2016 Olympian from the, T- from the Team GB Olympic team by some distance. And as I said before... Myself and Boazzi are from the same estate in Croydon. I mean, I hope he proves me wrong and can become a dominant world champion. But right now, I honestly would favour, you know, Anthony Yard, Lyndon Arthur, Callum Johnson and Craig Richards over him at the moment. But, you know, I I, I really want to be proved wrong. I like Boazzi. You know, he's he's a nice guy. Very, very humble. Um, but yeah, for me to favour, what's that, one, two, three, four guys over you domestically, I don't know, I don't know, I want to see him prove me wrong, but I feel like he's still got a lot of, um, you know, a lot a lot more fighting to do for me to change my mind there, but all the best to him, you know, he, he um, you know, he's training out there in America under Virgil Hunter, and I don't know if that fit is... Is, is a good one for him, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All the best to him. Moving out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. Over here, Gary Antonio Russell. We had him on last week's show. 18-0 going in against Emmanuel Rodriguez, former IBF world champion, 19-2. An accidental head clash within the first 16 seconds of the round. Calls the fight to end. A no decision in the end. A no decision. So that was a shame because I know Gary Antonio Russell was um, very much looking forward to that to that fight there. You know, it was a big step up actually, and I thought it was going to be a really close fight. But yeah, hopefully we see it rescheduled. I didn't actually see the 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 fight or anything like that, but I heard it was called off straight away. And I've looked. It's 16 seconds, I believe, officially. Unbelievable. For a fight to be ruled a no contest that quickly, that's got to be one of the quickest ends to a fight ever. Um, yeah, elsewhere on the card, Juan Carlos Payano picked up a win. He's now 23 and 5, a, uh, a win over Raymond Tabagon, who's now 22 and 13 with a draw. He retired on his store at the end of round five. Uh, he was down in the first round as well. Payano was cut from an accidental head clash in round two. Uh, Rache Warren picked up a win. He's now 19-3. and three. He was able to KO Damian Vasquez in two rounds. That was a really good knockout as well. Vasquez was down in the first round as well. Um, Vasquez now 16-3 and three with a draw. Um... Elsewhere on that card, Brandon Lee as well with another win, another knockout win, win for him. First round KO against Ezekiel Victor Fernandez, who's now 28-5 and five with a draw. He was down three times in the first round, Fernandez. Brandon Lee, I mean, he's, I think, signed to Mayweather Promotions. He's a very exciting prospect, 23-0, and 0, like I say. Um, and the main event of that card... John Real Casemiro, now 31-4. and four. He was able to beat Guillermo Rigondo over 12 rounds. A split decision. Rigondo now 20-2. and two. It was for Casemiro's WBO Bantamweight World title. Um, I only saw a few 
rounds of the fight because it clashed with other fights that I was watching live. But, you know, in a way, I chose the right fight because I decided to watch the other fight, which I think was the Virgil Ortiz fight. I chose to watch that instead of, of this fight here. And it was the right choice because, I don't know if you know this, Eddie, but Rigondo Casemiro broke the record for the fewest number of punches landed in a fight in CompuBox history. So um, yeah, the punch, the punches that were landed and the punches that were thrown, it was it was ridiculous at times. The lack of action there, uh, but that is not every Rigondo wow. fight. But yeah, I mean Casemiro at times was banging his gloves together and kind of you know let's fight. This is a fight kind of thing. Rigondo making him miss wildly. It was it was weird. Um, moving out now to the World Congress Center in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. Over here. We had return to the ring for Anthony Peterson, fight number 40. He's now 38-1 and one with a draw. He's got the first win um, of his career in a few years because he's been inactive. He had, I think, a no contest, a draw. Anyway, he picked up a win over six rounds unanimously. He won every round against Jairo Lopez, who's now 27-13. and 13. On the undercard, once again, Hassim Rackman with a win. A first-round knockout against Nathan Bedwell, who's now 5-18 and 18 with a draw. Hassim Rackman, 12-0. and 0. Uh, Sharif Rackman, as well, his brother, he's now 5-0. and 0. A unanimous six-round decision against Donis Reed, who's now 3-9 and 9 with a draw. Moving out now to the Palladium in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's USA over here. Um, heavyweight Cassius Cheney, 21 and 0 now. A unanimous decision over 10 against Sean Del Winters, who's now 13 and 6, 98, 92, 97, 93, and 96, 94. All for Cassius Cheney, friend of the show. Really pleased for him. Um, Moving out now to the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Over here, let's start with the undercard. Um, a win for Trey Lippe, I think his name is. A, a prospect to perhaps keep an eye on. He's now 18-0. and 0. He went the distance for the first time. He had 17 KOs in his 17 wins going in. And he went the distance against Don Hainsworth, who's now 16-7 and seven with a draw. Um, so, yeah, unanimous win there for Trey Lippe. Um, Albert Bell, another prospect with a win, 19-0. and 0, A unanimous decision win over eight against Julio Cortez, who's now 15-3. and three. Um, We had... Jason Maloney, now 22-2, and two, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Joshua Greer Jr., who's 22-3 and three with, with two draws. Hasn't really had a smooth ride recently, Joshua Greer Jr. It was for the vacant WBC silver bantamweight title. Joshua Greer, friend of the show, I actually wanted him to win because there's this thing where if you've been on the show, I want you to win all your future fights. So I wanted him to beat Jason Maloney, and in the main event, Andrew Maloney has been on the podcast, so I wanted him to win. <laughs> it is kind of strange. Um, Arnold Barboza Jr., now 26-0, a unanimous decision over 10 against Antonio Moran, who's now 26-5 with a draw. That one was for the WBO International Super Lightweight title. He's very brave, Moran. He really showed a lot of heart in there. Um, before we get to the main event... The, the grandson of the greatest, Nico Ali Walsh, made his pro debut. Um, Jordan Weeks was the opponent. Four and one. So a winning record, but he was absolutely 
terrible. Um, and, you know, we forgive we forgive Nico Ali Walsh. It was his debut for that one there. But, yeah, he got the fight done. Um, it was crazy because when he got in the ring and, and you know, the, the first bell went, the Virgil Ortiz fight had finished and they were, you know, they were kind of getting ready to, to, you know, to make the announcement and new or and steal or whatever the hell they say. And Nico Ali Walsh got his fight done before they even announced the winner of the Ortiz fight. So, um, yeah, it was literally over <laughs> in the first round. Lovely punch picking from um, from Nico. Similar to his grandfather in the way he dances on his toes. I quite like that. He was wearing a pair of shorts as well that were specifically made for his grandfather, which was kind of cool. Um, he picked his shots really well. Um mm-hmm. Good power, good judge of distance, and balance, it would seem. It was a perfect debut. I was really happy for him and his family, but like I say, the opponent, if we're being honest, was was, was quite bad. Not sure where they got him from. Um, you know, had a winning record, but couldn't really get out of his own way. Good stoppage from the referee as well. Too many shots to the head. I think he was complaining, you know, the opponent, but it was the right thing to do. And the main event, Joshua Franco now... Um, 18 and 1 with two draws, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Andrew Maloney, friend of the show, now 21 and 2 for the WBA World Super Flyweight title. Um, I was scoring the fight early on, but, you know, my scorecard I don't think was fantastic. Um, I felt that the energy that Maloney brought early on was, was you know, quite impressive. He was almost too aggressive at times. Uh, I felt Maloney was, you know, ripping in with some eye-catching uppercuts early on, he was investing in the body, which I felt was a clever thing to do, Franco was being beaten to the punch early on, Um, I think in the mid-rounds again though, I I felt that Franco started to take over a little bit, there was some close rounds here and there, in round 7, Franco was down, it was ruled a slip, um, you know, and it was correctly ruled a slip, they went to a a replay, and a punch didn't land, he literally did slip, Uh, Maloney won that round though for me in the 7th, um, but yeah, in the end, you know, scores were all over the place. I thought it was very, very close. It was unanimous in the end to Franco. All three judges had it exactly the same. one sixteen, one twelve. 112 I really feel for Maloney because I feel like he's had such bad luck. Um, I don't want to see a full fight between the pair. Who does? Uh, but I'm just not sure where Andrew goes in the immediate future because Franco... Uh, you know, has had the fight with him three times now. The first one, Franco won fair and square. The second one, the no contest, which took half an hour to still get the decision wrong. It should have been a KO victory for for Andrew Maloney, let's be honest. And he would have gone back to Australia and never fought about Franco again. And he came over for the third fight. All three fights have been in the USA. He's come over for the third one. You know, he was fighting well early on. And then, yeah. Franco ended up winning it. Like I say, it was close on my card, but I'm not sure how good my card was. I was watching a lot of boxing. I was up late. I was tired. That's my excuse. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure what he does. He was devastated. I've spoken to him a little bit. You know, he, he seems, um, you know, like his head's in a decent place. But, yeah, he was he was very devastated afterwards. He was, you know, apologizing to his family back home. It was It was quite hard to watch. That interview he did. Um, as for Joshua Franco, he mentioned the likes of um, Estrada and Chocolatito. They're brilliant fights. I'd love to see him fight those kind of more proven guys next, you know. But he's been quite fortunate himself. But again, a bright future. And he's learning all the time. He's getting better and better, I think, Franco. Um, 
Yeah, so that's it for that one in Oklahoma. Moving out now to the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, Texas, USA. This one was on the zone as well. So there was two cards on the zone on Saturday night. Um, let's start with the undercard. What was on it? I'm going to run through this real quick because I didn't really watch much of it. Felix Alvarado with a win, a first-round knockout against late replacement Israel Vasquez. I think he turned up on fight week because the the original opponent pulled out. Um, Vasquez now 10-5 and five with two draws. Felix Alvarado 37-2. and two. Real big mismatch, that one. Roger Gutierrez against Rene Alvarado for the WBA World Super Featherweight title ended with a unanimous decision over 12 to Roger Gutierrez. I think that was the third fight between the pair. Um, and the main event, Virgil Ortiz Jr., now 18-0, another knockout. It's 18 knockouts against Igis Kavalauskas, who's now 22-2 with a draw. It was for the WBO International Welterweight title. What an unbelievable fight this one was. Um, Ortiz was dropped in the second round. It wasn't given. Um, he was in a lot of trouble in the second round. And when he was in trouble and hurt, he was naively starting to trade bombs. Both guys were missing wildly, but if any shots landed at that point, someone was going to sleep, and I think Virgil Ortiz being hurt already would have probably been the more likely to go to sleep. It wasn't clever from him. Um, like I say, it looked like a knockdown to me in the second round. I can't remember if they showed a replay or not, but it certainly looked like that straight away. It looked like a knockdown, but they didn't give it. Round three, um, Kavalowskis hurt Ortiz and went on the attack, but then he got put down. <laughs> By the time he got back up, the round ended. He didn't take another shot, even though he looked like he was going to go if he took a couple more. Kavalowskis, you know, I thought all in all, you know, considering the magnitude of the fight, how hard Virgil's punches, the hype around him, the crowd, you know, the the atmosphere, everything, all of that, I felt he was really relaxed. You know, he looked he looked like uh, every punch he landed was with mean intentions. It looked it looked like every punch he landed was a was a big punch. And Ortiz, for me, I really liked how quick he was and how sharp he was with his jab. Um, it was a really big test for him, this fight, obviously. And Kavalowskis just showed his toughness. He's a real warrior, man. What a nightmare for so many guys at 147. I think he was kind of written off after that Crawford fight by most people. For me, absolutely not. Some people forget he should have been credited with knocking Terence Crawford down in that fight. They they ruled that one a slip as well. Um, but yeah, he, he is one of the top guys at 147. He's definitely, a I want to say, a gatekeeper. You know, people forget he beat David Abernessy and stopped him, I think it was. I think he stopped him in about seven rounds. He is a really, really, really good fighter. He's above European level, and I'm not sure he's good enough to win a world title, but he is right up there, man. Oh boy, no one has an easy night with him. Um, yeah, round eight, it was the furthest Virgil Ortiz had ever gone, and the first knockdown was from a body shot. It was a stabbing jab to the body after hurting him with shots before that that put him down. It was a vicious, like, stab to the body from that left hand of, of, of Ortiz. Uh, knockdown number two came from headshots. Knockdown number three was just basically combinations that he was letting go and then he finished him off with that fourth knockdown four knockdowns in one round 
um, what a beast Ortiz is. I mean, he's an animal. And for me, he's ready for anyone. I mean, yeah, I'm ready to say that. He broke Kavalowskis down after suffering some serious adversity himself. He was hurt. He was potentially down. It was an unbelievable fight. And I think that was the, the fight of the weekend. A brilliant, brilliant fight. Where does he go from here? I I don't know, just up, up and up, I think, you know, he is ready for anyone, like I say, I'd love to see him in with someone like a Sean Porter, that would be a great fight for him, I haven't really given it much thought, but I'd love to see him in with Sean Porter, if not, give him to Crawford, give him to Crawford, I'm, I'm all for that, I don't mind that, um, him and Jaron Ennis is a fight I'd love, but I do think they're both capable of winning world titles and then doing a unification, so maybe not just now, or maybe now, I don't know, anyone though for Ortiz, there's not a fighter uh, that that he, you know, would be worried about going in with. I, I think he is, he's absolutely class. But anyway, that's it for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, it's now time to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated welterweight contender. It is, of course, Mr. Mikey McKinson. Mikey, welcome back on the show, my man. I'm a regular now. Thanks for having me again. Hey, it's always great having you on. Like I say, when I saw you beat Sammy McNess, I thought this guy is special. And ever since then, it's been years. You've been winning and winning and winning. I'm proud to call you a regular. So, Mikey, we last caught up last month, just after the Ranowski fight was announced. So let's start there. A very dominant win over 10 on the weekend. Tell me about it, my friend. Yeah, I'm happy with the performance. I, I did everything but drop him or stop him. Um, like I was, a, I was pretty. I was gutted that one of the scorecards said ninety-eight, ninety-two. Like, in all honesty, I didn't give him a round. Um, I thought it was a shutout win. Uh, I hurt him at times, but then my I boxed to instruction off my dad. Um, could have stepped up through the gears, but I didn't really need to. So, yeah, I'm happy that I'm stepping up levels and making it look easy. Yeah, and I was going to say, at times, because of the way you were busting him up, it did look like the stoppage was coming. I know the commentary yeah. as well, early on in the fight, I think about round four, they were saying, you know, there could be a stoppage here. Did you believe at that point, early on, that you were going to get the stoppage? So, going into the fight, I knew I'd, it'd be a points win. Uh, look, going into the Chris Congo fight, I genuinely believed, hand on my heart, I was going to knock him out. Um, and... But like after like one or two rounds, they they do feel my power, and then they they don't want to commit. They're all like scared to commit after a couple of rounds, so it makes it more difficult for for me to land these big shots. But I'm definitely not a non-puncher because I hurt everyone I fight. I hurt Ronowski a couple of times in there. I just didn't step step on him when when I had the chance. I um. He had a very hard head. As I'm stepping up levels in opponents, their heads are getting very, very tough. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, don't like, like, I think the big question that people are saying is, am I going to have the strength to be able to move up levels? And you know what? I'm not a non-puncher. So I think when, I, when there is a chance, like I have to let my shots go, I will. And they're not your seed knockouts. But at the moment... It's getting like past three or four rounds, and I've already won the fight. So I've been playing it safe. And and to be honest, when I play it safe, it's easy. 
Yeah, it looks that way. And I have to say, obviously, most boxing fans generally want to see knockouts. But me, myself, I'm as impressed with a first-round knockout as I am with pretty much all of your most recent fights. I mean, every time you fight, you know, you, you haven't been getting the stoppages lately, but the fights have been exciting. It almost doesn't make much sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, like in, as I was coming back from the corner, like my dad was saying, this is a master class. Stick to your boxing and you're making it look really good. So so I did. Like there's a few times like when I switched orthodox I really did hurt him and visibly hurt him and stuff. But he's a dangerous guy and like I didn't really need to step through the levels and step through the gears. Um but there will be a chance when that when I do have to do that. I know people like knockouts, but like I thought it was a boxing masterclass in there and you know, when I stick to my boxing I make it look good. Yeah, it really was a masterclass, and he's he's such a tough guy because I couldn't believe he kept coming out. I mean, Jesus, it was such a such a dominant yeah. performance. People are going to compare my win with Josh Kelly's win, but I boxed a better Ronalski than Josh Kelly did. Like, and that's no disrespect to Josh Kelly because I think he's a fantastic fighter, but um, he Ronalski took the Kelly fight on short notice. He had three months to prepare for me. He came in. Him, him and his team were very serious, very confident. I was, I was walking around the hotel all week, and I was getting sly comments from his team, and the new "good luck, you're gonna need it," all stuff like that. So, there, and like the energy that his team brought to fight week, I enjoyed because they were so up for it. And, and, and what I said in the in the press conference, I said I, I like that they're confident because my style. What happens is. They're confident, and then as the rounds go on, round by round, their confidence fades. And like I demoralised my opponent with the jab on the weekend. I thought, like my jab was on good form, and I, I could have won the fight just with the jab alone. And, and as the rounds went on, you could see like, I broke his heart. Yeah, no, you certainly did. And Connor Ben, after the fight, made reference to your style, and I can't remember exactly word for word what he said, but he said something along the lines of you being, you know, a really awkward south southpaw. And to me, that kind of translated into who the hell needs that. But how did you receive his words, Michael? Because I think there was a compliment in there somewhere. Yeah, well, I actually haven't seen. I know a few people have told me about what he was saying and stuff, but I actually haven't seen his comments yet um like i it's like with me and connor it's not like a big rivalry where we hate each other like i think we get on with each other which is frustrating uh in my behalf because i so i'd love to fight him down the line i'd love there to be a bit of needle but we get on with each other there's a lot of respect there and um so like there would have been a compliment in there somewhere and like and he doesn't need to fight me he doesn't because he, he's a big enough name to to basically call the shots on who he wants and stuff like that, and if he get if he gets the the Khan or Brook fight, then fair play to him. Like I know that's who he wants, but I'm always here. And anyone domestically, other than them two big guys that deserves the Conor Ben fight, is me. And I keep proving it time and time again. But I'm not going to just go out there and start abusing him when I don't need to. Um, I'll stay respectful, and then hopefully one day if I can get that fight. Then we can talk, but t- until now, I'm yeah, I'm just respectful to each other, really. And I want to ask you as well, Mike. Obviously, you went ten rounds on the weekend. How long did you leave it before getting back in the gym? 
do you know what? I'm getting bored already. Uh, my dad said I have a week or two off. Like, although it was an easy fight, like my body don't feel like it was an easy fight. But I've 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 come out without a mark on my face. Um, but like, I, like I've got two dead arms and and like I do need like at least a week off, I think. But um, I'm getting bored. Like if I had it my way, I'd be in the gym tonight. Um, because I'm a full-time boxer, I ain't got to go back to a job. Do you know what I mean? I ain't got to go back to a nine to five. So it's just like how I'm filling my days up. And, and normally I'm in the gym. So, yeah, this week I'm getting bored. I'll probably be back in the gym next week. Um, um, I'm enjoying some food at the moment, you know. Uh, hopefully I can get out December time, fight again, stay nice and busy and, and carry on working my, my way up. And you say there about hopefully getting out in December kind of time. Um, I doubt you've had the talk with MTK just yet, but I reckon you've probably got something planned in your own mind. What would you like to do next, Mike? You know what? <laughs> I haven't had the chat. So I got back to the hotel on um, after the fight, and I messaged Lee and straight away, <laughs> like, and I, like I said to him, like December time, like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like at the time I didn't feel like I was in a fight on the weekend. It felt like a spa. It felt like a spa, and it was supposedly another step up for me. So we need to keep the ball rolling in, in order to be able to progress and, and develop. So I said, get me out in the, like because I want to go on holiday next month, I think. Um, I haven't been on holiday in a couple of years because of everything. So I want to book a holiday with my girlfriend and, and then straight back, straight into a camp. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds that, like a plan. That, in my ideal, in like in my ideal like world, I would like that. But you never know, do you? you never know what's the plans and uh, and what's next. And obviously, my career comes first. Yeah, for sure. And um, it's not the fight we all wanted to see coming up this Saturday, but you know, it's a good replacement, I think. Obviously, you're Dennis Ugas stepping in for Errol Spence against Pacquiao. Um, I think I asked you how you thought. Spence Pacquiao would go, but I'm going to now ask, how do you think Pacquiao Ugas will go? Well, see, Ugas, like I thought, did very well against Porter, um, but I, I, I still, I would back Pacquiao to win on points, maybe a lot closer than what, like, like it could be like a very close points win for Pacquiao, and I think it will be his last fight. But people wrote Pacquiao off before he beat Thurman. And that must have been two years ago now. Like, even myself, I was one of them naive people that doubted Manny Pacquiao because he's he's been about years. He's been a lot of he's been in a lot of fights, um, and he is getting on. And like, when he boxed Furman, I was thinking, well, maybe Furman's got this. And look what he did there. You know what I mean? So I, I think it will be another Pacquiao win against this Ugas. Um, and it, but I, the question is, how many more fights has he got? Um, like even if he if he fights Ugas and calls it a day, like he's gave a lot of people a lot of great nights, hasn't he? Oh, for sure, for sure, absolutely <laughs> a legend. And it's looking like um, Crawford's next fight is going to be Sean Porter. I think they're talking about it going to purse bids. Interesting style matchup as well. How do you see that one going, man? I think Porter will always be in good fights. Like um, he's got that engine. He's very aggressive, but. I think Crawford's a level above. Um, I think the only fight out there for Crawford would be the Spence fight, um, or, or 
if Josh Taylor came up, like that would be a great fight as well. I just, I just think uh, Crawford will have an answer for Porter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Should be a good one once again. And just finally, Mike, before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners before we let you go, say whatever you like, my friend. Yeah. Well, um, I know, like my win on the weekend, it moves me. Well, I've got a really good, a solid place in them WBO rankings, you know. So, a big shout out to my management team to for getting me into good, good positions for good oppos, oppos, like opportunities and stuff. A big shout out to Eddie Hearn for for giving me the opportunity of a lifetime to like to be able to showcase my talent in his back garden and and and, and obviously sign me on a free fight deal. So, my end. All I can do is stay focused and keep learning, keep developing, keep developing, and who knows where I'll be in a year or two's time. But I'll work myself up in WBO rankings. And it's absolutely a pleasure watching you uh, winning the ring. And, uh, you know, every fight is such an exciting one. Like I say, listen, Mikey, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Congrats again on the win. Thanks for your time, and we'll speak again very soon, I'm sure. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Uh, Going to start here with the fact that Sam Eggington has had his fight announced for um, September the 10th. We knew he was fighting at that at that date and that venue in Coventry. Um, but yeah, his opponent's been announced. It's going to be against Bilal Jukitu, who is an undefeated Frenchman. Um, I think he's about 15-0, something like that. So yeah, that one... Is that uh, Lee Wood has, has signed a promotional contract with Matram again? Not sure how many fights they're going to have together, but it's obviously another good signing there for Matram. Uh, moving on now to the preview part of the show, we're going to start here with the with a card that takes place tomorrow at the Comrade Dubai in Dubai at the United um, Arab Emirates. Over here, we have. I'm just going to mention the main event, really. It's Shavkat Zomrakamov, 15-0 with that one controversial draw. I don't want to say controversial. It was a close draw with Jojo Diaz. Um, he's back. He's still undefeated. He fights here for the vacant IBF World Super Featherweight title against Kenichi Ogawa, 25-1 with a draw. We all know him, of course, for controversially beating Tevin Farmer, but then having the... Uh, decision overturned to no contest after he tested positive for a banned substance. He's since then gone back to Japan, somehow got back in the rankings. I don't think he, I don't think he served the ban, or if he did, it wasn't for too long. And he's back, and like I say, here he is fighting for a world title. Um, moving out now to Germany, one fight to mention over here. It's a prospect to keep an eye on. I think a guy called Zan Kosobotsky. He is 15-0 with 14 KOs. He gets in with Joey DeWaco, who is 21-8 with four draws these days. It's for the WBA International Heavyweight title. Um, and then, yeah, going out to the final card that takes place at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, over here. Let's start with the undercard. Victor Ortiz, 32-6 with three draws in a 10-rounder against Robert the Ghost Guerrero, 36-6 with a draw. Um, all the best to Robert Guerrero, who, of course, is a friend of the show. Um, really nice guy, Robert Guerrero. I, I really, really, really like him as a guy and stuff like that. All the best to him. He's 
coming off almost two years out of the ring. Victor Ortiz is coming off three and a half years out of the ring, so it should be fun. Does it go 10 rounds? I'm not quite sure. Um, elsewhere on that card, we should mention Carlos Castro, 26-0 in a 10-rounder fighting for the vacant WBC Continental America's featherweight title against, he gets in with, Oscar Escandon, who's 26-5. and five. Um, Quite a big puncher, Escandon, if my memory serves me right, but coming off a lot of inactivity and losing three of his last four fights. Um, you know, he lost to Gary Russell Jr. back in 2017, lost to Tugstot Nyambia back in 2018, um, got knocked out by Brandon Figueroa back in 2018 uh, as well. And he's coming off a win, a first-round knockout against Jack Tepora, who was an undefeated Filipino fighter, 23-0. But since then, it's been like a year and a half or something since then, and here he is against Carlos Castro. Very strange circumstances. Elsewhere on the card, we've got Mark Magseo, the undefeated Filipino, 22-0 with 15 KOs. He gets in with Julio Seja, who barely ever goes the distance, 32-4. and Um... With a draw, I think he's only gone the distance in, I think it's five fights out of 37, um, but yeah, he's not in the best form, he's coming off that draw to Brandon Figueroa, which again was almost two years ago, and before that he, he lost to Guillermo Rigondo in a fight he was winning by the way till he got knocked out and then the fight before that he lost as well so this seems like a card um, featuring a lot of people coming off a long time out the ring and that brings us on to the main event Manny Pacquiao 62 and 7 with two draws once again coming off over two years of inactivity he steps in Defending his WBA Super World Welterweight title against Yuldenis Ugas, 26-4, the late replacement for Errol Spence. It's over 12 rounds. Um, this is a great fight, man. I really think it's a great fight. I feel like it has got points written all over it. Like, oh my lord, I'm going to be putting some money on a bet here. If anyone's listening to me, you've got to do this because it looks like you get you know, more than even money, and even even money, doubling your money is 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 a good bet here. Your Dennis Ugas, 26 wins, 12 by KO, not a big puncher. He's lost four fights, none by knockout, and Manny Pacquiao, we know, um, hasn't scored a knockout aside from that one against Lucas Matisse. I mean, that's one knockout in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten fights. So, yeah, one knockout. Sorry, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. You've got to go back to his... He's got one knockout win in 17 of his last fights. And that, that you know, that, that all started... Um, You've got to go back to 2009 against Miguel Cotto. Since then, 17 fights, only one knockout win, and it was against Lucas Matisse. So, yeah, you'd imagine he's not going to knock out Ugas, who's never been knocked out. So I tell you what, that is that is a really that's a good bet, I think. But then again, Ugas could win. But that fight, 100%, I believe, goes to points. Um, how do you see it playing out, Eddie? Obviously, we wanted to see the Errol Spence fight. We're really not sure on his future. He wants to get back as soon as possible. There's there's all kinds of allegations that apparently he could be, for some reason, um, 
faking this injury. I can't understand the point behind that one. That sounds ludicrous. But anyways, forget about that. That's in the past. How do you see Ugas and Manny Pacquiao? Brilliant clash of styles. Great fight. Yeah. Yeah, great fight. Uh, you know, with, with Ugas and his recent accomplishments and him just being a top-level guy, never being stopped and giving everybody the blues that he'd been in the ring with, basically, even though even in losing. So uh, just a dangerous guy all around. Kind of dis disappointed, you know what I mean? I was so looking forward to Pacquiao Spence, one of those fights that you, you know, you have fight parties for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though, you know, most people will look at Pacquiao, oh, he's past his prime, but look, just recently looking at him in the ring, he doesn't really look it, you know what I mean? He's really done a good job, you know, extending his career and uh, being effective even at this older age. So we were kind of like gassed up to see it. It's kind of unfortunate it's not happening, but this is like if you had to pick a fight or pick an interesting matchup, this would probably be it. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. Other people would have said, hey, well, what about Terrence Crawford and all of the big, you know, glossy names that we want to see him against or, you know, we want to see. But don't be confused and, and to think that this won't be an action, interesting kind of fight that is going to be contested. It's not going to be get you guys. It's just not going to you know, back off and make it easy on him. You know what I'm saying? I think Pacquiao possibly wins, but it's going to be a tough, tough fight for him. Especially, like, you know, if you think, like, back when, when Pacquiao fought, you know, Horn. You know what I mean? Jeff Horn. He was, like, a tough guy, you know what I mean? But a kind of like a, a, a dark horse. Nobody really thought he had a chance and came out in there and showed it. You know, showed that, obviously, even though I feel like Pacquiao probably won the fight, he gave him trouble. So this is the kind of thing that you got to think with a guy with nothing to gain, nothing to lose and everything to gain in this situation. Uh, maybe you look at you guys as that guy. Now, granted, you guys are still, is, you know, he's he's on his he's still on his way up or in the, in the prime of his career. So you don't want to lose to an old guy. But Pacquiao still has the name and Pacquiao still has done great. He's beaten uh, Keith Thurman recently. So, you know, you got to give him, you know, the nod and say he's still Pacquiao. You know what I mean? So, uh, like I said, in this situation, you guys is just like, he's in a good position. You know, everything he does, if he does well, he goes in there and wins. It's going to be great for him. But Pacquiao still got to, you know, protect his legacy and, uh, you know, prove that he's, and then also prove that he's still, you know, he's still alive. You know what I mean? Most people was taking Spence and thinking that, you know, Pacquiao is just too old to deal with a guy like that. But uh, I think Pacquiao still has a lot to prove, prove, and I think it's going to be interesting because of of that and the crossroads these guys are at their careers. Yeah, I feel like Manny Manny Pacquiao has been training really, really hard for obviously Errol Spence primarily, but. Um, yeah, he he, you know, took his training seriously for sure. Looks in great shape again, as he always does, and um, he he can't afford to take his after prize against Ugas because I tell you what, Ugas is a dark horse. Like like you say, Jeff Horn was at one point um, for a very brief time. I think Jeff Horn was, but Ugas, yeah, he gives he gives a lot of people a hard fight. I've been calling on him and Spence for a long time. That was a fight I wanted to see. I think Ugas is a really really underrated fight. I got a couple of losses that, you know, could have gone either way, particularly that one to, I think it was Sean Porter. That could have gone either way. He's a really, really top fighter that doesn't get the credit. Obviously, yeah. doesn't speak English or anything like that as well. I don't think that helps him when it comes That's to, funny. you know, UK mm -hmm. and uh, American boxing fans. What was you going to say, Eddie? Sorry. No, no, I was agreeing with you 100%. You know, like, 
a guy you can't that really can't come across to you can't really understand you don't really you know you, there's there's a language barrier there's there's a lot of different barriers you know, the, the cultural thing makes it really difficult for you to root for him so it's like uh, you know unless he's like a big time puncher or just a huge star like Canelo is and then you see Canelo now learning to speak English so you know it's 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 hard it's hard to become a star like that so he's going to struggle with that but Hey, it is what it is. You keep winning. It don't matter. Cures everything. Yeah, absolutely. We shall see. It's going to be a great fight, and I will definitely be tuning in. But anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 305 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our special guest on this week's podcast, the undefeated welterweight contender, Michael McKinson. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in to this week's podcast. One piece of news has broken whilst we've been recording the show. Callum Johnson's opponent's been announced for his fight set for September 11th. He'll be uh, boxing a Serbian fighter by the name of Marko Nikolic who boasts a record of 27-1 and remember if you do need a discount on Manscaped products you can use the code BOXHARD for 20% off and free shipping but that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week <laughs>